when you do have a regular schedule of eating, you can assure yourself. It's sort of like you're you're comforting yourself. It's not now now you know food's coming. You're going to be fine. You know, and that it really does help to know. That we're on a schedule. The schedule is dependable, and our bodies depend on it too. Like my body is so used to those three meals and a certain amount of food each meal, so I really can tell and eyeball how much is enough food for me, and or whether I ate too much or didn't quite eat enough because it's usually the same amount each meal. But that regularity, our bodies will just really thank us for as well. Welcome back. To the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. So real quick question right out the gate. Are you still at home like me? And has it been over two plus months for you as well? See, these past months have felt like a complete and total blur. And there are some days where I completely forget what day it actually is. One of the things that I have noticed, and also I've had the opportunity to survey, is how women are doing emotionally. Many women in my community have added more to their plate, not less. And stress as a result is at an all-time high. I mean, we are worrying about family members. We're taking care of more family inside of our home. There's just a lot of unknowns and lots of reasons for us to be concerned and to make sure that everyone in our life is taken care of. And that is holding a lot of space in our container. Now with stress, many of us oftentimes are dealing with cravings and emotional eating. Not all of us, but definitely they can creep right in, especially comfort foods like baked goods, chips and salsa and cheese. I've been on Instagram probably consistently every single day and oh my goodness, the pictures of paleo cookies and blueberry muffins and all the things that look so delicious. It's no wonder many of us are baking more and more these days because we're home. Now, during these times, it's important to recognize our emotional food triggers so that we don't eat the entire house. And today, I'm interviewing a dear friend and emotional eating expert to share her best tips on how to set us up for incredible success. Now, Trisha has been doing this work for over 30 years, and she has been researching the hidden causes of emotional eating and addictive eating, and she's got proven tools that will help each of us identify our own triggers. But even if you're not sure that emotions are driving your eating, this interview has tons of tips and tricks for when you're feeling stressed and unsure how to identify when emotions and stress are at play. Because I think it's the first step, right? We've got to become aware of when we're feeling those emotions, when we're feeling worried or scared or stressed out, and then maybe paying attention to how we act in accordance. Now, I know for me, definitely there have been times where I have stress ate or I have exhaustion ate, right? Because I needed that little extra something to get through the day. That's definitely where I have found myself getting into some trouble. So let's jump into some of these simple strategies to ensure that we are not eating the whole house. But before I bring Trisha onto the show, I want to quickly sing her praises. Trisha Nelson lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. She spent over 30 years researching hidden causes of addictive personality and addictive eating. She's an emotional eating expert and the author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger. She's also the host of the popular podcast, Heal Your Hunger Show, and is a highly regarded speaker. She's been featured on NBC, CBS, Fox, and so many different outlets. I know you're going to love her message as much as I do. Let's welcome her on the show. 
Welcome to the Essentially You podcast. Trisha, honey, how are you doing today, girl? So good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I am so happy you're here too. We are, you're my go-to about getting rid of those cravings, understanding what's really going on when it's, when we're running to the refrigerator, running to the pantry, eating the entire house right now. You are my go-to expert when it comes to not only figuring that out, but like literally healing that hunger from within. And Thank so you. I know you've been out talking to all kinds of people, talking to all kinds of communities because your message is so profound right now because there are people right now on their couch watching Netflix, eating like cereal and ice cream. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> that was my go-to for sure. Okay, my dear. So talk to me. I just want to have you share. I know I had you on Instagram live a couple of weeks ago, but I just want to have you come on in and share a little bit about what was the defining moment for you that when you knew that this was your passion, that you wanted to get this message out into the world. Well, having suffered from this myself, you know, I was 50 pounds overweight and just miserable with my weight and also miserable with the fact that nothing I tried worked like diets and exercise programs and 12 step programs. And I always say pills, potions and lotions and, you know, even therapy. I went to an eating disorders therapist at one time. So nothing really stuck for me except the weight. And so um, it was just a never ending battle. And What happened for me, I was able to finally heal my emotional eating. So it was when I started really focusing on that, that I found a solution. And I have been blessed to be sharing that with other people for so many years. And it's just, you know, when you, when you overcome something that, you know, and you know, this, when you overcome something that just seems like unachievable and, or something that you just start to feel, I mean, what happened for me is I felt hopeless at one time. Like I felt like I'm totally screwed. I'm going to go up and down the scale for the rest of my life. That's going to pretty much be what it's going to look like. You know, I had five different size pants in my closet. I mean, just the whole thing. So, you know, when I found a solution, like a really clear cut solution for my emotional eating, it was so amazing. I just felt so excited to share that with other people. So that's, to me, it's literally been all I've done my entire adult life is help people with emotional eating. Mm. And would you say, Trisha, honey, in, in the experience of serving tens of thousands of people over the years, is that really kind of the, the core of what gets us into so much trouble? It's just the emotional aspect that we're not able to tap into those emotions. And so we're self-soothing with food, especially right now. Right now, we're locked in our houses. We got food in the fridge. Maybe we just, maybe we bought all kinds of food. I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, and, and oftentimes I don't know if we really do know how to manage the anxiety or manage the stress or, or manage the panic that's going on that we're feeling right now, or maybe managing just the first, you know, just, I know a lot of people have their homeschooling for the first time. They, they got kids in the house for the first time, like all the time, 24 seven. Are you seeing that a lot of us are self-soothing with food? Completely. And it's such a natural thing to do. I mean, it's really hard for people not to, you know, first of all, we've got all this stockpiled food in our home, you know, more than, I mean, I know I've got way more food that I would ever buy normally, you know, because I live in a city and it's easy to go get food whenever I need it. But it's hard to be staring at all that food and to be stuck at home, not to mention, you know, scary news all the time and a total disruption to our way of life you know, and our sense of safety. There's so many things that have gone on. And I think the most normal thing for people to do is look for comfort. And, you know, comfort eating is what I think everybody does to some degree. So I think it's something that is, 
you know, going on in spades right now. And it's, it's kind of interesting because people who never would consider themselves emotional eaters are starting to kind of wake up to the fact that, yeah, this might be what's happening here is a little bit of emotional eating. So I think it's hard for people to stop or to know how to create boundaries around food when they are stuck at home and when they don't have their routine. Routine is such an important thing for people. And when that's thrown up in the air, this is what we're facing is a whole lot of emotional eating. That's where the quarantine 15, you know, a phrase comes from. And uh, people are really like, OMG, like what, what I'm going to do about this because I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go and, and really no solutions. So that's why I'm so really grateful to be on your show and to be talking about this stuff. Absolutely. I was just thinking about, I was going to put myself on the spot for just a second. I, <laughs> I don't find that, and, and, and I definitely have emotionally ate in the, in the past and definitely, definitely moments where that happens. But what I think I end up doing is I reward eat which is definitely a, um, an emotional eat strategy as well. Like if I had, if I just rocked my day or I knocked out a ton of things that day, we make these little healthy treats, these little organic, dairy-free, all the free, right? And we make these little um, peanut butter, almond butter cups with huge chocolate and organic almond butter. And we have the little, we actually have the little molds to make them. And we make them really thin and we freeze them. We put them in the freezer and they are just the most, oh my gosh, girl, I cannot tell you. And <laughs> I, I, I know a little bit about those. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they kind of meet all of my health c concerns or my diet dietary restrictions. They pretty much, they, they knock all, they, they check all the boxes. So I yeah, feel like really good. Legal, legal, yummy food. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I, there's been times where there's been, I'm no legal, no, no food <laughs> is that, you know, maybe some berries and that's it on my list. But right now I think I'm in a position where I can, I can do a little bit more of that. And so we have these frozen and every night or every around dinner time, right after dinner time, I have been giving myself, I've been treating myself to one of these little treats. And I wanted to just check in with you. Do I, should I be gut checking about, about it, making sure that it's not coming from a place of, you know, am I soothing or am I emotionally eating? Is it, is it okay for us to have a little treat like that? I'm just trying to, I want to. Yeah. <laughs> You just tell me what you want. I'll give it to you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Here's my question to you. My question is, do you eat more than you want to? And do you feel mad at yourself afterwards for how much you ate? No and no. Okay. I feel really good about it. To me, that's a gut check, you know, and are there negative consequences to what you're eating? No, not so far. Okay. So that's the test. It's the control and consequences test. Okay. So if, and so here's the thing, I feel like we're all emotional eaters. Like, it's just like, let's just, let's just call it what it is. Everybody emotionally eats. It's it's easy thing to do. I think God made us to have an emotional connection with food. So we would subsist as a species. So that's bottom line. And it's just a matter of it, of it being a spectrum. And I actually have a quiz on my website where emotional eating is a given, but it's a spectrum. So are you an emotional eater on the low end? Or are you a food addict on the high end? And you can literally find out where you are on the spectrum. And the thing is, the spectrum is really determined by how much control you have. Like, can you have a snack and stop? Can you eat a little natural peanut butter cup and have that be it? And if you can, you're on the low end, okay? 
Or do you lose control where you end up eating the whole stash in the refrigerator? That was me. Okay. Like I, like one was never enough for me. Like I had to have more, you know, and then later I'd be mad that I ate as much as I did because I'd get really full or stuffed and I'd feel sick the next day. So that's losing control. So that brings you on the higher end of the spectrum. The other really way of measuring this is consequences. You know, so on the low end is you eat, you might even eat a little too much one day, but you exercise the next day, you go to the gym, typically when we go to gyms and you work it off, you know, and so it doesn't, you don't gain weight from it. You know, you, you, you feel fine or you might do a detox or something and, and then you're back to normal, you know, but if you have consequences where you keep doing that, like you lose control over and over and then it starts to show you're gaining weight from it or you're getting some, you know, you're not eating natural peanut butter, like free everything peanut butter cups, but you're actually eating Reese's and you're eating Hershey's Kisses and you're going into the Doritos and the ice cream, the Ben and Jerry's. And then you're putting on weight or you're developing some kind of problem like diabetes or heart condition or, you know, just any other kind of issue that comes from gaining weight or eating crap. You know, when that starts, when those consequences start to pile up and you feel crappy about yourself, like you're constantly... Like you wake up in the morning and your all your mental talk is like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you know? Why can't I stop? Like I'm lazy or I'm just so I'm a loser. I mean, these are all things I used to think about myself. Like what? Like what is wrong with me? You know why? No matter how much I know, a lot of my clients are super healthy. Like they know a lot about nutrition. They could write a book on it because they've been trying to figure out like how to get over it. Right. And so they're very knowledgeable, but they don't follow through in what they know. That's the emotional eating gap. That's where this comes in. So the point is the more consequences, the higher you are up on the scale. Okay. Of that spectrum or the emotional eating spectrum. So it's really, that's what I, that's why I don't think you should worry about your peanut butter cups because you can eat one or two and you're satisfied and that's totally fine. It's not a problem unless it's a problem. That's the Got bottom it. line. I love that. I love, I so appreciate the spectrum. I so appreciate the clarity because I think that there's a lot of gray murkies. You know, I've been very blessed to have you as a friend for a long time. And I have a lot of information in my head about the things you've said over the years. And I'm always like, what would Trisha say about <laughs> in these moments? And I'm like, well, let me just gut check with her and see what's up with that and kind of determine because, you know, we can tell ourselves a lot of things. And, you know, and, and I was always wondering, like, how do we, how do we know where we fall on the scale? Because I absolutely agree with you. I think that every single one of us has emotional, has, um, eats, um, eats emotionally to some degree and always trying to figure out where on the spectrum is it, is it, you know, it falls under the, this is kind of a low concern or it's okay versus now we've got maybe a potential addiction that we're dealing with, or we're feeling like we're a food addict. I know that there's definitely some guidelines there. And I so appreciate that you have a quiz, which I will make sure to have in the show notes. Cause if you are wondering right now, especially right now is as we have more food in our fridge than ever, we probably bought a lot of processed foods because that was the thing that we thought would store the longest, you know, whether we're falling under that scale or not. Amen. And thanks for taking me with you wherever you go. I really appreciate that. You, you go to some really nice places. <laughs> so if you, you're wondering what Trisha would think of this, I'm like, are we doing that in Italy? Or are we doing that in France? Oh, girl, I that? didn't take you to Italy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's right. You, you shut me down on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, all bets are off here. It's a different ballgame. When in That's Italy, funny. like being in right. Vegas. 
Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So I would love to, I think we kind of distinguish this emotional eater versus food addict. And really, I think it's not just so much the consequences. It's more so that we are, would you call it, we are abusing food. We're eating food even when we're not hungry, you know, and I know I'd love for you to differentiate between emotional and physical hunger, because I think we get that really confused as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So First of all, I think it's important is whether somebody feel like I asked you, do you feel bad about it? You know, and if somebody is feeling bad, like, if, you know, we've all got different values. We've all got different standards and we've all got sort of a, a different makeup on, on what works and what doesn't work for us. So at the end of the day, it's a personal thing, you know, but if somebody feels really bad about what they're eating and it haunts them, then it doesn't matter how much it is or how it, how much it is compared to the next person. You know, if it's bothering you, again, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. If it is a problem, it is a problem. But in terms of physical hunger versus emotional hunger, this is so tricky because emotional hunger can totally mask itself as physical hunger. To this day, I've been doing this work for 30 years. To this day, I'll be like, I'm so hungry. And then I'll realize I just ate breakfast like two hours ago. I'm like, no, you're really not so hungry, you know, but I'm like, but it feels like I am, you know, and so it's really deceptive. And I think more than ever right now, people keep feeling like they're hungry because those emotions are creeping up. And, you know, when we have fear, when we have anxiety, when we have anger, you know, we have strong emotions, we can definitely, you know, those can turn themselves into, you know, a feeling of hunger because really what we're looking for is a way to mask those feelings, a way to shut them down because they're so uncomfortable. And that's when it feels like we're hungry when we're really just, you know, experiencing a lot of uncomfortable emotions. And I think that's mostly what emotional eating is, is just we don't want to feel like it's just uncomfortable. We, we don't want to feel. And I have something called the PEP test. And I think this will be helpful for people to hear because you can really test kind of what's going on because people are always like, no, I just like chocolate, you know, and it just, I thought that for years, I thought there's no problem here. I just like food. But it wasn't until my consciousness was raised, you know, as to what might be going on underneath the surface that I started to realize it's not that simple. Like there is there is something emotional going on. So the PEP test is an acronym and it's a, it's a way to identify the three top emotions that drive people to eat from, from my research. And the piece, the first piece stands for painkiller. So we use food or excess food or munchies or you know, unhealthy foods as a painkiller. And that's why we go for the carbs. That's why we go for the sugar and the high fat foods is because they do kill pain, emotional pain you know, uncertainty, just a feeling that everything's been upset or actual emotional anguish over family members dying, you know, a fear of dying. I mean, there's so many different things that can feel really painful to us in terms of our our emotional lives. And when we eat heavy, high calorie foods, we numb out, like we don't feel it. It is literally a painkiller. And so that's one, it's probably the top reason why we use food. The E in the PEP acronym stands for escape. And this is a big one right now, obviously. Like nobody wants to deal with this reality. It sucks so bad. And it's like, I like I wake up, I'm like, I cannot believe this is real. Like I keep waiting for it to be a dream that I wake up from. But the fact is that there is a lot of fear going on. So fear is a big driver of emotional eating. And now more than ever, there are real fears happening, financial fears, you know, uh, health fears, and so on and so forth. So 
fear is a big driver and we just want to, we want to numb out. We want to get our foods, get our, you know, bingeable TV shows and just totally check out. And that's, you know, food is great for that. It really is. And some people will use pot and alcohol and other things, but you know, food's the easiest. It's the quickest, it's the easiest, you know, and uh, everybody's doing it. So uh, the last (laughs) piece. Everybody's doing it. I mean, like an example of this is in San Francisco, I believe that alcohol consumption is up 42% now that we've been, I was like, what? That is impressive. And I know that the Bay Area, San Francisco in particular has some of the, like, in terms of uh, per capita, I think that's the most bars per capita. And so they thought that maybe that number would go down, but it's actually, anyway, I just thought I would share it's that. It's true. It's like, this is horrible. Like, let me check out. Like it's a, people are needing to escape. And so it, it is definitely a, a real need. And the third emotion, P stands for punishment. So we use food as a form of punishment. And I don't think this is in play as much right now um, in the times we're in right now. I think fear, you know, definitely fear and pain are the drivers, but definitely guilt. If somebody chronically struggles with food and weight, guilt's a big one because we tend to feel it really easily and we tend to feel bad about a lot of things. So we're, our minds are very over, overeaters are overthinkers. And so we tend to like replay conversations in our head, replay events in our lives, you know, and beat the crap out of ourselves. And so uh, guilt is a big driver of emotional eating as well, because we just, you know, it's, it's, it works, you know, and people like, you know, I don't, I don't punish myself with food, you know, food is my reward, like you were talking about. But if somebody does lose control, like if, like what I used to do is, you know, sit in front of the TV, but then I'd go overboard and have, you know, I keep getting up and getting more food until I felt totally sick, you know, and the next day, I don't want to see my friends. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do anything productive. I don't want to exercise nothing. So that is a form of like that. I was hurting myself. Like I was, I was literally beating myself up, like you said, abusing food. And why would somebody do that? Well, guilt is a big sort of subconscious reason why people do overeat. So again, I don't know that that's in, is in play right now, considering the times we're in, but, but generally if somebody chronically struggles, that is definitely one of the emotions that will drive overeating. Mm. Mm. I love, I appreciate the the acronym and really going into depth. I can imagine so many people are relating right now. And I, what I related to most is that gut check around being hungry, you know, and I will look and see and where I normally find it. And I, I, you know, full confession, I've been working, I feel like I'm in a launch right now. We've been working so much and I've got my book on the back end. And so every night I'm not, I'm just letting y'all know I've been working to like 11 or midnight every night. And it's usually between breakfast and lunch or between lunch and dinner. Cause I don't do breakfast I intermittent fast and I, between lunch and dinner and I'll have, it's usually a lighter lunch, but around three o'clock or four o'clock. And this tends to be my little craving trigger moment. And you know, it's, it's, we're almost through the, like what I consider to be a normal work day. All of a sudden my body will kick in a hunger signal and I will like, okay, I will go back in and I was like, okay, you ate two hours ago, two hours ago. You, you make it four hours all the time. You're, you are not going to starve between now and dinner, you know, and it just, I'm like, okay, so what is this? Why is this, this really intense, it feels like I'm really hungry moment. And I, I think sometimes I know for me, I think it's just maybe the stress levels are too high at the moment, or maybe I'm feeling, I'm feeling low energy. Um, feeling a little exhausted, a little depleted, but it is so important for me to do that gut check. And usually I'll make a tea. Like, okay, I'm going to go make a tea and teas tend to, to kind of shut that sucker down, but it is so strong. 
you know, and, and I really, and I always check in and I'm like, did I, did I honestly not eat enough? And, and I still, for me, I know my cells are the happiest and my mitochondria are happiest if I don't snack. I, they don't like me snacking. I don't think they like any of the snacking. And so whether I didn't eat enough at lunch or not, I'm going to wait it out. <laughs> I'm going to get to dinner because I'm not trying to throw myself into a pattern where my body is thinking I need a snack every afternoon. And so anything you can t- speak to us on that as well, like in those moments, what else can we do? Or should we, I, I mean, I think that the thing I think you're going to tell me is set yourself up better for lunch. <laughs> well, here's the thing that must be you telling yourself that. That so, probably by the, is. Way. <laughs> the thing that comes to me is really the routine and the schedule of eating because there is like a, a little one inside of us that will panic if she feels starved, you know, especially if somebody is an emotional eater and has a, you know, has a really messed up kind of experience of dieting and that kind of deprivation and that kind of thing. And so there's sort of like this red, you know, this panic button that gets hit with, she feels like she's being starved and she's like desperate, like, and there's just, and it's so primal. It's like, I have to eat, you know? And so that's why I, I, I talk about something uh, called three meal magic and, and yes, it's- I love three meal magic girl. <laughs> okay. So that's the thing is three meals with nothing in between. Cause the snacking is really, that is a downfall for everybody. Cause you don't, it's like endless. You don't know what you ate. You don't know how much you ate and there's no beginning or end, you know, and, and we never snack on healthy foods, you know, it's snacky foods like nuts and chips and you know, not the nuts are bad, but you know, truthfully, we always overeat on nuts. Right. We're so I was going to say good. that handful becomes like two handfuls, you never. know, it's, it's like, messy. yeah, totally. So, so, you know, snacky foods are going to be a real problem. And that's why the three meals with nothing in between is so helpful. And whether you do it, you know, intermittent fasting, and you start later or whatever, I say, give yourself a schedule of eating. So that little girl inside that can, can really panic and feel like she's not being fed properly. She knows food's coming and having that conversation with yourself is exactly what I do too. I'm like, Hmm, let's explore this a little bit. Like, are you really hungry? You know, and, and you'd have that little conversation, but that's the nice thing is when you do have a regular schedule of eating, you can assure yourself. It's sort of like you're, you're comforting yourself. It's not now, now, you know, food's coming, you're going to be fine, you know, and that it really does help to know that we're on a schedule. The schedule is dependable and our bodies depend on it too. Like my body is so used to those three meals and a certain amount of food each meal. So I really can tell and eyeball how much is enough food for me and, or whether I ate too much or didn't quite eat enough because it's usually the same amount each meal. But that regularity, our bodies will just really thank us for as well. Rituals, I think are so critical. And like you said, the, just having that schedule that you, it, you know what, what it allows you to do, there's freedom in that there's freedom and safety in that. And because you know, that nutrition's coming in those three meals. And I am, I love that so much. I don't snack, you know, and at the second, my body is asking for a snack. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, we, we don't do snacks. Like what's, going on? Like what's real, what am I really hungry for? And that's the question you lead us back to every single time. And I think as long as we're feeding our bodies really healthy, nutritious foods, good proteins, good fiber, good fats, health, lots of yummy veggies, like we really should have the things that we need. So I'm glad we're having the snack conversation because I have a feeling not everyone's going to be liking this whole snack thing. <laughs> I know. But the thing is, 
it, I think what's really important here, I just have to say, is that we're not taking your snacks away from you. What needs to happen is free meal magic is a diet unless you put legs underneath it. And so that to me is, you know, like the work I do with my clients is really dealing with the underlying causes. So just like trying to not eat, you know, your snacks or trying to just eat the three meals and nothing else that is hard for people if they've been habitually snacking and habitually eating, you know, more than they, their body needs. And if they're doing that habitually, it's for emotional reasons. So we got to dig under and deal with the underlying causes. Otherwise, it's a diet that's going to fail eventually, you know. And so that's really what's important is dealing with that pain, that fear and that guilt and all the other things. And, and I really uh, dig into that, you know, with my work because, you know, otherwise we're just holding on, holding on, holding on, white knuckling, you know, until we break out in a binge, you know, and so it's really important to do that deeper clearing out of things that are in our way. So we can have the freedom to choose to just eat the three meals and not have it be totally insufferable. (laughs) Mm, I love that. So the deeper work, are there things that we can do? Let's say as we're doing the deeper work, because let's be honest, the deeper work is a deeper process and it can take a little bit of time in that process. It can, but I will say it's not like, I'm not talking therapy. Okay. It's like, it's a lot quicker than therapy. <laughs> it's, it's not hard. It's like, here's the deal where it's a, sorry, I'm kind of interrupting you here, but there's 20, I've identified 24 personality traits that are just completely almost standard for emotional eaters. Anybody who's struggled, emotional eaters to me is usually somebody who's struggled chronically with food and weight you know, they're, they're, it's usually because of emotional eating, but there's person, there's four, 24 personality traits that if you identify these, you know, you find the ones that are you, and then you, you trace them into your life. You can make changes in your life very quickly. So I'm not talking about going back and dredging up all your old stuff with your family or whatever. I'm talking about just these shifts in the way we operate in the world. And I'll give you an example. And that's people pleasing. The number one trait of emotional eater is people pleasing. And the reason why this leads to eating is because, first of all, we knock ourselves out to try to please people, right? So we end up exhausted. But then on top of that, what happens is that we're kind of pissed off too. (laughs) So we're not only tired or pissed off because nobody's ever as pleased as we want them to be. So this is an example. And we go home and we have the, I deserve it binge, right? So this is an example of how, how we operate in the world needs to be shifted. Like we just have to take a look at it and see where am I doing this? you know, and why am I doing this? And then making shifts. And then it's going to, it's really going to heal those cravings that seem like food cravings that are real. Mm, I appreciate that. Sorry, interrupt. I kind of totally hijacked that, but no, I just, no. just want to talk to you. I don't tell that. you people pleasing isn't always easy to get over, you know, no, it's, it's not. And you can't, and you can't do it alone because it's so habitual. And then everybody around you is used to you doing it. So it's a big payoff for them. And so you need support if you're really going to change your ways. Like nobody can do this alone. Nobody can overcome emotional eating alone if it's a chronic problem. Well, I'm so glad that you are here to help us, girl. Ooh, I would love for you to share a couple of things. Let's say, let's say we identify, we have this moment and we identify, ooh, this is definitely emotional eating, you know, and we're digging into it. Are there little things that we can do, little, I would call them distractions, but other things we can like saunter over to do, maybe go outside and get some sunshine, maybe do some breath work, just some things that could maybe just get our mind off of it once we kind of recognize. 
Completely, you know, and, and those are both good options as well. Changing our state is so important and walking up, going for a walk. There's nothing I think more healing than just going outside. I put earbuds in my ear and I, I pray, I talk out loud to God. <laughs> so it's really nice, but I sometimes will make a phone call. I'll call. I literally today I was feeling heavy, like this, all that's going on today. It felt really heavy to me. And I just, I sort of felt like I was carrying the weight of the world. And and I did, I went for a walk and I talked to my mom and I had a great conversation with her. And then I called another friend and just through that process of walking and talking because connection and community at the heart level is so, so important. And what I mean by that is isolation. It's really our nemesis because when we're alone with our thoughts, you know, which are usually scary, they always say, what's going on inside my head? Don't go there alone. You know, like bring some, bring some backup. So bottom line is we can't live in isolation because it will get the best of us. So reaching out to friends, talking to friends, doing Zoom calls with family or friends, anything to get our heart ignited and connected with other people is going to really be so healing for us. And again, it will change our state. So anything change your state. I also will walk and I'll, or I'll do, I'll dance at home. You know, I'll put my earbuds in and listen to my favorite, you know, dance songs. I mean, anything to just sort of break that trance that you're in super, super helpful. But I love getting out of the house. I feel so much better after I do, especially if I've talked to people that I care about. I love all of those things. I think those are all so profound and so easy for us to begin to do. And they're wins. There's so many, there's so many like that. There's a pleasure stacking process to that too, especially the going outside, talking to friends, listening to music. There's a lot of pleasure stacking in that. So now you're, there's a lot of different wins that happen because of that as well. I love it. I think you've given us so much to not only consider, but to also actually go on and implement. I want people to plug into the quiz, but I also, I know that you've got another little little something for us that you're going to share. Yes. Recently, when all this hell broke loose, I did something called my Don't Eat the House series. So it just one night, it just struck me like, like, don't eat the house. Like, that's what we want to do when we're at home, you know, stuck at home with all the stockpile foods. We want to eat the house. So I have a, something called the Don't Eat the House series, which is really cool because there's um, five different mini classes with different topics, like, you know, what to do if, you're, if your partner is like eats junk food all day, how to, you know, how to stay close to your own, your own you know, what you want to do for yourself, how to overcome boredom eating, um, what to do with all that stock, stock, you know, how to deal with the stockpiled food. So this is uh, five mini classes, including quizzes and assessments and cheat sheets, and people can download it for free, basically. I love it. Oh my goodness. This is such an incredible resource. I love the quizzes, the little assessments and the videos. Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with friends, even my mama, who feel like there are people in their households that are sabotaging them, you know, that are just not on the same train. And, um, and I just love that you have a resource. I immediately thought of so many people who are like, I'm trying to stay healthy, but my partner is not It's not doing me any favors. Yeah. And there's also, there's even a handout for stir, 30 stir crazy strategies on things you can do. So it's, it's really fun. Oh girl, you have set us up for success. I'll have the link in there as well. Go and grab it. If you know, you find yourself trying to grab that snack. If you find yourself doing a little bit of overeating when you're watching the Netflix, or you've got someone in your family who is not setting you up for success, please go and do yourself a favor. Knowledge is power. It allows us to move through and make better decisions for our body. Trisha, you have done such a marvelous job at providing us so much guidance here. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It's always such a pleasure. Mm -hmm. See you soon, girl.
Take care. Probably my favorite strategy that Trisha shared was the one that I've been practicing for years, which is three meal magic. Now I am not a big fan of snacking because it has become so mindless and oftentimes I don't even know how much I ate during that little snacking moment. So I find that even when I'm snacking on healthy foods, I can definitely overdo it. And there are definitely instances where snack food is not created equal. Now, the other thing that I'm concerned with when it comes to snacking is it prevents our mitochondria, our energy powerhouses, from optimal functioning because there isn't enough time for them to reset from the last meal. And that significantly impacts our energy levels over time. Then the last reason I'm concerned about snacking is that it oftentimes causes us to be more sugar burners than fat burners. And that can impact our metabolism, causing our body to store abdominal visceral fat, which can lead towards other issues down the line, including inflammation, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. So given that our bodies really need four to six hours to recover from meals, I always recommend focusing on those three solid meals with protein, fats, and fiber. These are the cornerstone to happy hormones. Now, if you loved some of Trisha's tips today, I wanna invite you to check out her free stress eating survival kit for when you are stuck at home. And given that we are still stuck at home, I think you're gonna love it. What you're gonna learn is how to say no to foods that call to you what you do about boredom eating, secrets to avoid getting stir crazy inside of your home, and surefire ways to manage stress and emotional eating. Now I love it because she has taken all of this into consideration, us all being inside of our homes in quarantine, and she's created this really cool toolkit for you to take advantage of. Now, the link for this amazing survival kit will be in the show notes for episode 194. Super easy to find. Go click it and then just get all the goodies. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into the Essentially You podcast today. On this week's Q&A Friday, I'm going to be answering a question that I get literally every single day. And that is, how do I get more energy back like yesterday? Energy is one of the biggest issues that women struggle with, and there's a lot of reasons why we struggle with energy. But one of my biggest, biggest things that I've researched and discovered is what we can do to increase our energy output. I know for my mom, she's always like, can I just get a little extra energy here, there, everywhere? And so if you're one of those women like myself and my mama, and you're looking for more energy like yesterday, then tune in to Friday's episode where I'm gonna give you all the tips and tricks to boost your energy literally immediately. Until then, I hope you're having a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you then. Bye.